Hi there. Welcome back to the Mindset Check Podcast. I'm your host, Misha McKittrick. This is a podcast where you believe that as you take time for a mindset check, you have more power than you think you do. And where we also believe that there is incredible value in learning how to process the things that come up for us in life, the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly through our bodies, okay? Not just in our mind. We're going to be having a guest today. Her name is Brenda Winkle, and she is going to walk us through checking in to somatic healing and different healing modalities. I'm so excited to bring her into this conversation today, and I can't wait for you to learn some of the tactics that she teaches us to be able to do that on our own and to know when we need to reach outside of ourselves for help. I think you'll really love listening to this conversation with Brenda. As far as the haps and what's going on, I'm so excited. I've been talking and percolating a little bit about the Power Up course that I'm teaching, the group course that I'm teaching coming up this spring. The dates for this course, it starts March 8th, but before the nine-week course, I'm going to offer three days of free coaching that will definitely, I promise, be worth your time to drop in and see what you can learn. The purpose for me doing that is so that you can get a fill for my coaching style so that you can come and participate in that for free. And then you can decide if you want to participate in the course. I'm going to play a little clip for you from a woman who took my course last time. Let's see what Tiffany has to say. I highly, highly recommend Power Up with Misha. If I had to rate it, it would for sure be a 10 out of a 10. I loved how it helped me in every area of my life. It wasn't just like with my relationships or with my children or with work. It was literally every area of my life that I encounter. I was able to use the tools that she gave us and saw a difference in eight weeks for sure. So I am so excited to see what months and years Bring with using the tools that she teaches you. It was everything that I hoped of of more, and I could not recommend it more. I think every person in this world could use this course, from teenagers to retired old people. I think that it hits every age, everything anyone is going through. So I, again, 100% recommend it. It was the best decision I ever made, and legit the best investment I have ever ever made. So it is so worth it. That's a little bit from Tiffany, okay, her heart and her feelings towards the program. In the program, what we do is we create new beliefs. We learn how to outsmart our brains and how to create new thought patterns, okay, new thinking patterns. We pay attention to our feelings. We learn how we can be in charge of creating those patterns for the way that we feel and we can be in charge of our neurochemistry, okay, our thoughts equal our feelings. That's what creates the chemicals in our body. That's what creates how we feel. And if we can be in charge of it at times when we can, then we step into some new power. We step into something that we have the ability to shift our feelings and to shift our energy. And we learn how to do that in the course. We learn how to let go of things that get in the way of all of this and the tactics on how we do that. We are going to learn about tuning in and our vibrations and how to be in charge of those and the importance of that simply because we attract what we are. We'll check in with our alignment and integrity and we'll make sure that we're checked in correctly so that we can live in a really high vibrational state. We will walk around resistance and allowing and step into being 
open, open, open so that we can accept amazing things into our life, into our living. We will also talk about our purpose and checking into our purpose and what we are meant to do, what we're supposed to be doing day to day and how dropping into the present moment helps us to move into that. We'll also learn how to create a vision and how to manifest our future, how to create and remember our future and what does that look like. And that is a place where a lot of expansion can happen because it allows us to think of life in ways we've never thought before, therefore introducing new thoughts into our life. And when we do that, we change our life. Everything in our life is because of the way that we think in our subconscious brain. And if we can alter that, then we can step into something else. And one more thing that I'm adding to this cohort because I'm taking a course right now to become a heart math technician. Okay, so they are giving us very simple ways for us to teach heart coherence and what that is to our clients. And heart coherence is something that I found last year. It's changed my life. It's a state that you can get into in your body and you can create energy from your heart that changes what you feel inside. It changes and upregulates everything that's going on inside of your body. Okay, I'm talking like cells and genes, your energy, right? You can change who you are, what you are, and therefore what you attract into your life, which is why you can change the things in your life, why everything around you changes when you change what's inside. I'm so excited. I hope you join us on this journey. Click the link in the show notes. Make sure you get signed up for the free three-day mindset challenge. And then you can decide if you want to continue on with the nine weeks of coaching. All right. For today's podcast, if you're joining us for the first time, we are reading through my journal from when I was 15 and pregnant. So there's a lot of story that's happened up until this point. And if you want to check into that, you can go back in time and listen to the podcast chronologically. At the point in the story that we're at, I've been in a challenging relationship. I'm married to Jesse and... We had a child, obviously, when I was very, very young. My baby girl passed away, and we talked about grief and all of those things on the podcast. And right now, I'm in a situation where I'm trying to figure out, should I go ahead and and make divorce final? That's where I'm at. And Jesse is the person who writes the entry in today's journal. Okay, so he got my journal and took it upon himself to write a page in it. So let's see what Jesse has to say. August 11th, 1995. Misha, today is the 11th of August, and last night you told me that you turned the divorce papers in. It about broke me. It felt like my insides just shattered, just blew up inside. Misha, I feel so empty laying here on your bed where we once slept. Misha, while we are apart, I will be regretting everything that I have ever done to you that hurt you or any pain that you went through because of me. Well, Misha, what I'm trying to say is that I love you, Misha, more than anyone in this whole world, and I will be hating myself for not being with you because it is my fault. I just wish I could have realized that you meant this much to me before. And Misha, from now on, in my eyes, I will be your husband. 
always and forever. Misha, please don't forget that. I love and care about you more than anything in this world. Misha, I love you, baby, forever your husband. P.S. I'm here for you whenever you need. Ugh. <laughs> oh, this is this is like so hard. And when the guest comes on um, before we were talking and I was describing to her that Jesse had written in my journal, her first words were, oh, what a violation. <laughs> what a violation. And that's not even what came across my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's a violation, but I don't know. More of the other things kind of are brought up when I read this, you know, the way that he, he claims that he will always be my husband. And then what transpires in the future of me needing to get like a restraining order because he started to, um, you know, stalk me. (laughs) It was really, it was really hard. And the thing, the thing about this, when I read this and when I remember and think back to actually getting divorced and how I had processed so much of it, I was so ready for that divorce. I was so ready. I mean, I had like been there many times and Jesse kept putting me off. And then when it is finally here and we turn in the divorce papers, right? And you'll hear more about my process about doing that in the next episode. But as I did that, I was in the process and he was shocked somehow. Like he hadn't been listening to me. Like he hadn't been taking me seriously and not internalizing it. And that is more of what I'm present to when I read this of like, how he writes it like it comes as a shock. And we've been through all of this stuff where he wasn't showing up, you know, and part of the conversation that we're going to talk about today is the lack of ability that we have when we don't process our things, when we're not taking care of what we are going through in life. And it, it also surfaces as an inability to show up for the people in our life, right? So as I was thinking about this episode and processing, I love this definition that I came across with with processing. It says, the act of taking something through a set of prescribed procedures. We've talked about a lot of different ways to process, to process through our grief, to process through all of the the hard that sometimes comes up in life that are, you know, typical of daily life or living, you know, and then also heavy things. Episode 63 is a really great one to go back to if you're loving this topic of processing and you want more after we're done today. But in the idea around processing, I wanted to ask one of my dear friends, Brenda Winkle, to join us today because she does a lot around healing. She is a mindset empowerment coach and an energy healer, and she is trained or is training in a lot of the modalities that we talk about today. And she's really in tune with our bodies and with different ways that we can heal by getting outside of our head to do so. So we 
talk about a lot of those today as we dive in together. And I had really brought Brenda up to speed by talking with her about all that was not being processed at this point. So everything around Taylee's passing on both Jesse's side and on my side of things that weren't being talked about or processed. And then, you know, cause that, that's also a very taboo topic. And we talked about how sometimes when things feel unmentionable, we tend to avoid them and to not process them. So there is a big difference that we talk about in the avoidance of processing and also in your brain, you know, kind of burying it for a while because you're not quite ready for it. So we dive into all of that. But as I was prefacing Brenda, I was talking to her about the processing around Taylee's passing and also the processing or lack of processing with where Jesse is at in the divorce of feeling totally crushed. And I did not feel that really at all. And so I wanted to really dive into that and to talk about processing and the ins and outs and how maybe you too have had big things in your past, or you might be in the middle of those things. And how do we, how do we step away from our analytical mind to allow healing to occur? So that's what Brenda and I have just been talking about. And we're jumping in having proposed all that isn't being processed up to this point. Here's Brenda. Well, I think that there's a lot of layers here. And so to your question about how do we somatically process, I will answer that. Yeah. But first I want to go back because um, let's talk about what trauma is. Yeah. Trauma at its simplest definition is too much, too fast in a way that you cannot process. Mm. That is the definition Mm. of trauma. Oh, I like that. And so like I have this glass of water here and there is about an inch at the top that is available to pour more water in. So if this glass represents my capacity for new experiences and I have a new experience that's too much too fast, my glass is going to overflow. So it, if I have this glass with only an inch of space at the top, what it's going to take me to experience a trauma is very different from what someone who might have four inches in their glass left. Yeah. And so I would love to take away any of the value that we place on trauma. There's so mm-hmm. much shame around it. Mm-hmm. And there's these questions like, why, why was this traumatic for me? Mm-hmm. Why wasn't I strong enough to process this? And I just want to say, your brain is protecting you. Yeah. That's Beautiful. what it's supposed to do. <laughs> and so there's no value judgment in mm-hmm. experiencing trauma. It doesn't mean you're a weak person or mm-hmm. a bad person or that you're doing it wrong. It means it was too much too fast for you. That almost just makes me want to just cry because there's a celebration in that. Mm-hmm. And that is so the opposite of shame or of yeah. sadness or of anything inside of that. It's just mm-hmm. automatically freeing and celebration and joy. And like yeah. our brain was working for us and helping us, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. 
It's, yeah. it's so good. And so our brains really do protect us. So if we talk about the science of stress and the science of brains, we are in our reptilian brain, which is the brain stem when we're experiencing a stressful event. And in the time of history where we would have been running from a tiger, the beauty of that part of the brain coming online is that it floods the body with hormones like adrenaline and cortisol so that we can run from the tiger. What happens when when that happens scientifically is that it shuts off our vagus nerve shuts it down and it it allows us to run fast to be safe when we're in our reptilian brain or the brain stem we're not thinking clearly and that's there's beauty in that why would we want to think clearly about something that's horrible yeah <laughs> We, we, we wouldn't want that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so many times we create a value around, I don't remember this. I sort of left my body. I disassociated. And then we judge ourselves for that. But that's your brain's way of taking care of mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So celebration. Yeah. Celebrate mm -hmm. it. And then, you know, sometimes we have such a, a desire to understand and to muscle our way through it and to think our way through it, that we're trying to conjure these memories that we have thinking that as soon as I remember, I'm going to really be healed. Okay. But, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. We don't necessarily so, have to remember. You yeah. don't have to remember. And sometimes in the white space that we allow ourselves as we're beginning to heal, we can remember, mm -hmm. but it takes us creating that white space. I feel like. I feel like there's a little bit of a of an awareness or a commitment that we can make to ourselves mm -hmm. that when something comes up, like it's coming up for a reason. Yeah, for and sure. When it's coming up, whether it's surfacing in your body or whether mm -hmm. it's surfacing in your thoughts analytically, mm -hmm. that to trust yourself that your body is saying, okay, now you're ready. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if it's not, then that's okay. Yes. 100%. I think the, the trouble I, you know, I've learned that we can get into is that if it's coming up and we continue to push it down. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. For yeah. sure. Because here's the thing, if it's coming up and we're continuing to push it down, we're also hot potatoing our emotions. Mm, I love that term. Yeah. And when we hot potato our emotions, we don't ever give them space to breathe. And the thing about emotions is even the toughest, most difficult emotions at their peak only last about 90 seconds if we really feel it. And then it shifts and turns into something else. Like let's take the grief, for example. Right. Grief is not a one-time emotion. It's not like you're going to feel grief for a day and then be done. I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying that. That's not mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Right. What I am saying is if you're in the depths of grief, really allowing that emotion to come through at its height, it'll last about 90 seconds and then it's going to shift. It's going to turn into, oh, okay, that felt good to cry it out. Now mm -hmm. I feel a little bit of relief. Hmm. Do I feel anxiety? Maybe. Maybe I feel contentment. Maybe I feel joy remembering. Maybe I feel gratitude. Mm -hmm. It will shift. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it will shift to. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be really dependent on the person and what their grief is about or what their, their emotion is about. But I promise you, it will shift. Mm -hmm. And the more you tune in, the more 
you'll realize that we are actually safe to feel. And our bodies have so much wisdom. So sometimes something will start to percolate to the surface and we won't think about it, but we'll have this body awareness. It might come in heaviness or it might come in like a feeling of anxiety, or it might be really local, like maybe hip pain popped Mm -hmm. in out Mm -hmm. of the blue, Mm -hmm. or all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you can't walk on one ankle or you have a shoulder cramp. And so asking the pain, whether it's emotional or physical, yeah. What are you here to tell me? Yeah. And what do you need? What can I do for you? <laughs> Is really soothing. Yeah, and, and then just listening, teaching yeah. your body to be able to listen to what mm-hmm. comes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, if you don't feel safe to do that on your own, and I just want to honor that and name that, that, that there is a level of trauma at which someone might not feel safe to do that on your own, mm-hmm. then finding someone that you really trust to work with, whether it's a somatic coach or a breathwork facilitator or an energy healer. But I will say there's a big range out there of people. And if you've experienced trauma, you want to make sure you're working with someone trauma informed. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. there's a, there's a different way to handle things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. So, what can you teach us, or what what can we look back on and say? Well, first of all, let's let's describe what the difference is between analytical and somatic. Is that the way that you would describe the differences between when we're handling things, processing things? Sometimes we're thinking our way through it, deciding and figuring out how to let go or what to forgive or mm-hmm. what is there. For us yeah. to do. Well, so I think we can't think our way healed. Mm-hmm. It just won't happen. We won't think our way healed because our thoughts are a pattern. And so if we picture a country road, right? A country road. I grew up in Northwestern Nebraska. And so I have this picture of country roads and a lot of them were paved, but a lot of them weren't paved. And if it wasn't paved when it got rainy, they would get really muddy and you could still move around on the muddy road. And if you got stuck, someone could push you out and you could, you could continue on your way. But once that mud hardens, then it becomes really difficult. In fact, sometimes there are turns that are in the rut that they force your car, no matter how hard you're holding on to the steering wheel. So as we're thinking thoughts, our thoughts that we've been thinking for decades are like those ruts. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time to change the thoughts. That's just the nature of the human brain is that it, it really likes patterns mm-hmm. and it really likes repetition. And so those thoughts can kind of be a cycle. So if we can get out of the mind into the body, mm-hmm. we can begin to feel some relief because a lot of times we're storing things in our body that are, they started in our mind. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So an example would be when I was talking about us being in our reptilian brain, our brain stem, Mm -hmm. if we can get into our thinking brain and then bring that vagus nerve back online, excuse me, then we can begin to feel some relief. So I'll teach you something right now that you can use um, to really soothe yourself. It's called heart hug or brain jam. I've heard it turned both ways and I'm going to try to describe it for you so that our listeners can really, really dig into it. And you can try this with me, Misha, if you want. So we're going to put two thumbs up in front of your chest. 
Okay. And then we're going to turn our thumbs so that they're in an even line between us. And now you've got your palms facing the floor and the backs of your hands facing the ceiling. And you're going to continue that rotation. So now your thumbs are pointing down to the floor and the backs of your hands, <clears throat> excuse me, are together. You'll open your hands. I'm trying not to hit my microphone and then cross your hands and then um, cross your fingers. So you're holding your hands and then swing your hands down towards your body and back up. So now they're resting on your heart space. So what's happened, and I just invite you to sit like this for just a minute, unless you're driving, of course, don't do that until you're not driving anymore. Um, what I invite you to do is just to sit with this and see how it feels. So from a scientific perspective, what has happened is you've crossed the right and left brain meridian. So if you've crossed the right and left brain meridian, that now means you're in the prefrontal cortex of your brain. In other words, you have taken yourself out of your brainstem back up into the thinking part of your brain. So automatically your hormones are beginning to shift. You're beginning to bring oxytocin and serotonin and dopamine back online. And you're beginning to feel less of that cortisol and adrenaline from a scientific perspective. From an anecdotal perspective, you just start to feel better you start to feel a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more relief. And then if we add some breath to it, like for example, if we add a square breath where we breathe in for four, pause for four, breathe out for four and pause for four, it it just feels so soothing. So let's just try that together now. And I'll count and you can breathe and I'll go through two rounds and then let you do two on your own. So we'll breathe in for four, three, two, one, pause for four, three, two, one, exhale for four, three, two, one, pause for four, three, two, one, inhale four, three, two, one, pause for four, three, two, one, exhale four, three, two, one, pause for four, three, two, one, do two on your own. So you could continue this on your own for as long as felt good to you. Mm, it feels but so good. <laughs> even those, just those four rotations feel yeah. so good. And the science behind it is because you're changing the pH of your blood mm. and mm. you're adding more oxygen to your blood. And then when you hold the inhale, you're helping deal with anxiety. When you hold the exhale, you're helping deal with depression. Wow. So, so it. powerful and so simple. Yeah. And I'm going to call it a heart hug. That I love the heart, like hug. A heart hug. That's yeah. So good. <laughs> it's so nourishing. It's so it, good. So it's interesting to me that you, you're you saying that we don't think our way to any healing. Mm -hmm. Because to me, and I I feel like that there is action that sometimes comes from our thoughts, but maybe it's best when it originates from the, our body, from a state 
Because like, if you're, if you're thinking about forgiveness, for example, Mm -hmm. and there's a certain amount that has to make sense to you, right? I mean, unless you're really like free flying, like it's fine. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think there's a certain amount that has to make sense to people. So that's why I kind of like thought in my mind that there's like an analytical side to healing and that there's like this somatic side to healing, which is what we just did basically like kind of getting out of your head mm-hmm. to heal. And that there's an, a sense of being able to heal things without knowing them somatically, like, right. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that the right way? Somatically? Yeah. I mean, just really, yeah. it just feels like that that is that there's, there's an element that can be healed that, like you said, we don't necessarily have to always think about it, mm-hmm. but yes, your brain is probably going to want to make some sense of it. So maybe healing is together in the sense that we have to try to make sense of it. Well, you know, I think that there's, there's definitely a place for the analytical side because we all have that, right? We all have this thinking brain. And so when we're talking about the action, like you were saying, those actions really come from a place of thought Mm -hmm. and So there's definitely a place for that. I mean, that's why talk therapy is beneficial because we're, we're creating new ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. But if we only think it might be a lot more difficult. Agreed. And I think that in the thinking, if we can stop and do something like a heart hug, all of a sudden Mm -hmm. our thinking is more clear and what we're trying to arrive at is right is definitely has more um, of the right sense, so to say, because we've involved our heart. We've involved, mm-hmm. we're not just in the the crass cold world of our mind. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. And so, you know, it, it's important to recognize we may not be able to choose our first thought. Mm-hmm. The first thought you think might be something that is so patterned and habituated mm-hmm. by the thinking mind that it might be surprising to you, a really negative thought or a thought about, how you exist in the world or you know something like that. Mm-hmm. You do have control over your second thought. And so recognizing that that first thought might just pop in your head, maybe it's scarcity or maybe it's, I deserved this hard thing that happened, then you can check it. And one of my favorite ways to do that is just to say, delete, delete, delete. No, that is not true. Mm-hmm. And then choose another thought. And then the combination of recognizing that our thoughts really do create our feelings and then being careful what we think is super helpful. Yeah. I think that that, I think that that's a great thing to point out. I think it's, I think it's also important to point out that it might feel overwhelming at first, but the very moment that you make that choice, it becomes easier the next time and easier the next time and easier the next time to yeah. to make a choice with your thought. And mm-hmm. I love the way that things in the somatic realm, like meditation, yoga, all of these different avenues help us to gain more mindfulness or more control to be able to choose those thoughts when we're in the middle of that. Yeah, 100%. And there are some people who have certain levels of trauma or just different things going on in their bodies and their lives that might make meditation feel almost impossible. Mm -hmm. And I just want to name that for people. And so breath work might be good for those people that feel too triggered by sitting still and meditating. Do you want to talk for a minute about the difference between breath work and meditation? Sure. So breath work is in the body. 
-hmm. It is literally in the physical body. We are doing a somatic release, healing the body and healing the mind through the body. Meditation is allowing ourselves to access our higher self, the part of ourself that really knows truth. Mm-hmm. and access the realms. And depending on what your belief system is, what you call the the source, whether you call that God or uh, universe or creator, however you, you term that. So meditation is trying to create space in your brain, in your mind for other things to be possible and to be mindful and present in in the moment. And so that is it's a beautiful practice. I have a 22 year old meditation practice that I have every day. And I just want to name that if people have a lot of trauma and every time they get still, it comes up for them in the form of flashbacks or they feel anxious that walking in silence without earbuds in, without, you know, listening to music or a podcast, but creating silence and then walking to discharge some of that energy mm. is a meditation. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And so there's lots of different ways that we can access meditation, mm-hmm. whether it's through breath work or through sitting still or through yoga or through walking. Or for some people, it's in drawing. They are able to meditate if they're maybe mm-hmm. doing a coloring activity. And right. there's lots anytime of different the, ways Anytime to the mind it. sort of quiets and, and the heart. The breathing slows mm-hmm. and kind of back in tune with ourselves, recentering, right. whether you're drawing, planting something in the garden, or that can all be considered meditation. 100%. I, yeah. Even just sitting in the bathtub, staring at a candle, that's meditation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so good to to name all the differences. As far as somatic healing, we've talked about yoga, meditation, breath work. Is, are there more avenues for getting outside of the head? and healing our body? Yeah. You know, Reiki is a great option. Mm -hmm. Reiki taps into universal life force energy. It's a form of Japanese energy healing and it promotes the body's relaxation so that the body can heal. And that is a really nice way to heal it without having to think it all through. And so that's really useful. Um, I wouldn't call theta healing necessarily a somatic form of healing, but theta healing is also very, very effective at changing belief patterns, releasing trauma in the body and trauma across genetic lines and even across um, ancestral lines. Mm. So many things you said that I want to take apart. So with Reiki, can you describe for us, is that somebody that's walking you through it or can you walk yourself through Reiki? So Reiki, uh, we all have this Reiki life force energy that is throwing or throwing, flowing through mm-hmm. our bodies. Mm-hmm. And when you get trained, you get an attunement and the attunement unlocks the chakras that are in the palms of your hands that really turn that power switch on. So that now you have access to the Reiki. So if you, and like I said, there are people who have stronger natural Reiki flows than others, but you really do want that attunement from Mm -hmm. a Reiki master teacher to turn that switch on. Mm -hmm. And then yes, you have access to it. You have access to that Reiki energy in a different Mm -hmm. capacity. Mm -hmm. And so you can't, there is a place for Reiki self-healing. In fact, that's what all Reiki one is about. The Reiki one attunement is learning to heal your own body Mm -hmm. and you're, it's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. 
And then Reiki two uh, attunement would be to help you understand how to promote that healing in other people's body. Okay. And Reiki three is sometimes called Reiki master. And that is a much more intensive program. It should be ideally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And it should be really an in-depth training of all different ways that we can work within Reiki energy. And then it ends with an attunement that basically supercharges all of your chakras and your Reiki energy. And so there's those three levels of Reiki. So Reiki one would be the one that you would start with for self-healing. And if you're not interested in becoming a practitioner, there are Reiki practitioners all over the world. And you could go in for a Reiki session. And because energy is energy and energy is everything, even distance sessions really work. Mm-hmm. And so it's very healing, very relaxing. It is done usually with the person who's receiving Reiki lying down, fully clothed, sometimes under a blanket because it feels nice and cozy. And so the the hands of the practitioner, or if you're on a distance healing, you'll feel sensation, usually coming from the shoulders, then the head, and then all the way down the body. But there's no actual touching below in the sensitive areas, I should say, of your body. There's no there's no touching of anything <laughs> private or sensitive. Yeah, sure. Um, and it just, it's a very soothing, nourishing experience. Okay. So, and in that you're just being led to breathe or not, that's more breath work. That's not even breath work. That is just literally the flow of healing life force okay. energy that is coming from a Reiki practitioner's hands into you. Interesting. And yeah, it's so cool. Hmm. So if you work with a Reiki master, they have the ability to help heal the emotional body, the spiritual body, the physical body. Hmm. And cool. that can be really healing. Cool. And what I realized that we didn't do is talk about breath work in that same way because I I'm familiar with breath work and so I kind of skipped over it but breath work is essentially laying down but being guided through a breath work session to be able to release what would you describe it can come in a lot of different ways it can be done seated it can be can be, can be done laying down uh, it can be done for as short as the time that we did and mm-hmm. you wouldn't even necessarily have to leave your workspace to do mm-hmm. something like that mm-hmm. so for the longer breath work sessions where you're really getting in there and releasing laying down feels really good and covering mm-hmm. up with a blanket and cuz sometimes mm-hmm. you might get really hot or really cold depending on what's going on with you. And so what kind of session you're doing will determine whether you want to be seated or laying down because it depends on how deep you're going. And when I say deep, I mean, are you, are you healing deep, deep wounds? Are you just releasing emotions? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? And your practitioner should lead you through that. And so your practitioner might invite you to lay down so that you don't fall down, you know, <laughs> you yeah. fall off your chair. Mm-hmm. Um, but for what we did, that is just a really simple thing. Yeah. That you just do. recentering almost. Yeah. yeah just mm-hmm. a recentering, regrounding. Mm-hmm. But if you're getting into some of the, the, the breathwork patterns that are really releasing things and really activating your body, then you want to make sure you're comfortable and in a safe position where if you wanted to lay down, you could. Mm-hmm. And so a breathwork session can happen a lot of them happen online. And so you could be sitting just like we are now for a meditative session, or excuse me, an integrative session where we were breathing for 
eight minutes or less, but within a 30 minute time frame where I'd lead you into a meditation. We do some breath work and then lead you into a meditation, ground you so that you can go on through the rest of your day and then finish. Or if we were in a longer session, a meditative 60 minute session where we'd be meditating for a little bit of time. I lead you in that we'd be breathing for 16 minutes and then leading you out of that breathwork experience into another meditation and then grounding you. You want somebody who's skilled in, in leading you into the experience and out of the experience to close you back up, Mm -hmm. to close you back up. And then, you know, with all of these healing modalities, whether we're talking about breathwork or Reiki or Theta, there's aftercare that is really essential. And aftercare would include making sure that you're drinking water, maybe creating a little bit of room in your schedule just to have some white space Mm -hmm. to allow whatever's supposed to come forward for you to come forward. Yeah. And then I wanted to go back to Theta because we were talking about generational Mm -hmm. lines, like healing across generational lines. And I don't know that everybody necessarily knows that that's something that can be done or is possible to be done. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Can you explain what that is? Absolutely. So Theta healing meditation technique was named by Viana Stiebel in 1995. She used this meditation technique to cure herself of bone cancer. And she continued to refine the practice until she decided that she was ready to hold other people in session and help with their healing. And it exploded. It started in Northern Idaho and it it literally exploded. And now there's 65,000 plus Theta healers worldwide. And so Theta healing meditation technique is a collaborative meditation session between you and a Theta healer. And when I say collaborative, I mean that there's there's a conversation that should be happening. The theta healer will ask you questions to try and understand root causes. And when I say root causes, I'm talking about beliefs. We all have these beliefs that we have, and sometimes we know them and sometimes we don't. So if I ask someone a question in their conscious mind about, do you believe you're worthy? Maybe the answer is yes, maybe the answer is no, but the body will always tell what the person really, really believes. And so we do muscle testing to determine if there's root causes that might be surprising to the person because you can't see your own nose, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes there's beliefs that we hold in our bodies and along our genetic and ancestral lines that we're not totally aware of. And so a, a practiced or licensed certified theta healer can help you determine what those are and then shift them. Yeah. Because you know the thing is a belief is just a thought you've thought a very long time. And theta healing is really really cool because it can instantaneously shift beliefs and it can instantaneously heal the body. Now I will say with all of these modalities they are not a replacement mm-hmm. of your mental health care and they're not a replacement of your traditional medical care. They're not intended to be that. They're intended to be complementary care. Mm -hmm. So with Theta and healing ancestral stuff, is it the idea or the belief behind Theta that those beliefs were given to you through your ancestral lines because you were exposed to the beliefs and you witnessed them or because it was passed down like in your DNA? It can be both. And so there's a new, it's not new, but it's it's gaining new recognition 
a, a new th- branch of science called epigenetics. Mm-hmm. And what we're learning is that we can, we actually store genetic information from our ancestors inside the cells of our body. So for example, they have studied the descendants of the Holocaust survivors, and they can find evidence of the trauma in the cells of the descendants. Wow. And so that would be an example of of what we would heal along ancestral lines. Mm. And so for some people, it might be something as big as healing something that monumental. And for other people, it might be a belief that the women in the family aren't able to earn money. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we take vows that we don't realize that we've had along ancestral lines, like a vow of um, poverty. Yeah. Scarcity or, or, Mm -hmm. or victimhood or whatever it is. You just, if you're not even aware. And sometimes, sometimes I think that when we look back to our ancestral lines, that starts with looking at our parents. Mm -hmm. And I think that seems like a betrayal if you're looking at your parents in a way that you're saying, well, what would there be for me to heal? Maybe there is something there. Sometimes you're like, we avoid it because we think that that we're somehow calling them out in a way that seems disrespectful. Um, but it's not that, Mm-mm. you know, it's not that. In fact, if anything, I think it leads to more compassion. Yeah. Because when yeah. we understand what our parents were dealing with, it becomes so much easier to look at it from a more objective point of view of, oh my gosh, they really were doing the best that they could. Yes. And it just incites compassion. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love it. So in, inside of that, is it something that we understand is happening that we're healing? Is it in in a theta session? Do we, yeah. Do we know that, okay, you've just healed that scarcity line? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A, a theta healing session is very much rooted in the idea of consent. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens without consent. Mm-hmm. So if a theta healer says, okay, I see that this belief, is it okay if we shift it? Is it okay if if we create this new way of thinking? So it's all based in consent. And that's when I when I said it was a collaborative yeah. session. That's exactly what I mean. Okay. Is that there's a give and a take and it's all consent-based. And you should have complete transparency with your theta healer about what is being shifted. It should never be a mystery to you. It should never be something that is being done to you. Mm. It should be a collaboration. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've also known that when we heal ourselves, we heal three generations, right? We heal, heal one generation back and one generation forward. Can you explain how that works? Yeah. So there, we can measure cells in the brains and in the livers of humans and know that we actually have cells that belong to our parents in our brains and in our livers. And so when we heal ourselves, because everything is energy, right? And we're all 99.999% energy. If we heal ourselves, we're healing forward and backward. Mm-hmm. And so not only are we healing on a physical level, but we're hearing healing on a spiritual level, on an energetic level, on a mental level. And so it, it really is the biggest gift we can give to our children and to our parents to heal. And, you know, I always say, I really like my family so much more now that I've done my own work. <laughs> when that's when you're like oh 
so much of that was inside of me. Yeah. yeah. And so much of it is, you know, it's not even them. It's not even things that they did or said. It's the way that I perceived mm-hmm. what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that so much. So inside of that, are you saying that we are actually changing? We can't change the cells in other people. We're just changing the cells that live inside of us. Can I'm a little bit tripped on that. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> or is um, it is it just the the way that we show up? See, because I know that when we have energy, and energy flows outside of us, right? They measure our field of energy, and then the mm-hmm. pure interaction with those people is what mm-hmm. heals them, because then they're able to to intersperse and be a part of that energy. Or are we healing them even if they've passed on or something? We're not with them. Yes, and. <laughs> okay. Yes. And so, um, yes, you're healing the people that you're, you're interacting with in the energetic field, but the certification through Theta Healing is like, for example, I'm looking up at the wall at one of my certificates and it says Theta Healing Advanced DNA certification. Mm. There is evidence to support. We actually change the DNA in your body when we shift these beliefs in, in the mind and in the spiritual body. Mm. And it's just fascinating and kind of mind blowing. Um, so. So when I was first certified as a Theta healer in 2016, one of the things that my teacher that was leading me through said is, you're going to see changes in your interpersonal relationships because you're healing them too once you activate this part of of healing in you. And it was almost immediate. In fact, my dad said, Hmm. what has happened? I I can tell something has shifted in you and I'm feeling it in me. Because my wow. dad is really, really sensitive too. Yeah, amazing. And um, it's it's just so cool, so profound. Well, I my father in law went to a conference, and he is a chiropractor, and he was listening to a, a a person deliver their speech, and he relayed a story to me, and I have since like tried to find the veracity of the story or the source of the story. And I haven't been able to, but the story always blows my mind. I think it is worth talking about. He, he stated that there were these prisoners who would reoffend, So they would be put back into prison mm-hmm. and it left the, the, you know, people just mind boggled. Like, you know what it's like in here? Like, why are you re-choosing to come in here? And mm-hmm. so they studied their DNA and they found that they all had the same, um, what do you call like a, a default or, or a, a disconnect in their DNA? Mm-hmm. And so they decided as their halfway house that they were going to send these people who had the same DNA thing going on to the people who had the most healthy DNA in the world. And so they sent them to the Himalayan monks as sort of their halfway house as an experiment. Mm-hmm. And when they were with these Himalayan monks, they had to do everything that they did. So they did the meditation all day long with them. You know, they woke up at 4 a.m. They did all the things. And by the time they graduated their halfway house experience, they tested their DNA and it had healed. Mm-hmm. And I I love that story with such fierceness <laughs> because yeah. it's evidence, right, that we have more power than we think we do. Like you are not up against whatever it is that you think is true about you that you don't right. like. Right. You can do whatever you want to do. Absolutely. And so if you, there's two two people that are really leading this field and they're leading it from two different directions. 
are two different angles. So Joe Dispenza, the work Love of him. Joe Dispenza, mm-hmm. um, there is tremendous body of research that he is really developing and helping finance around the energetics of healing mm-hmm. and the power of the mind. And so I would encourage people to look for a Joe Dispenza because there's tons and tons and tons mm-hmm. of stories like this yes. with spontaneous healing, Yes, not sp- spontaneous, but you know, over the course of a week or something, which is pretty spontaneous in the course of time. And then um, Mark Hyman is a doctor that um, I don't want to say his, his um, place incorrectly, but I know he's based or was based at one time in the Cleveland Clinic. And he has just written a book on aging. And what they have discovered about nutrition is that if you start to eat whole foods, a lot of the symptoms that we have in our bodies, like for example, ADHD, or the tendency for violence, they go down. So he was citing some research in his book, he was citing some research on what happens in juvenile detention centers when you change the food to include whole foods, like vegetables and fruits and whole grains and healthy meats, as opposed to the packaged foods. And the violence went down like 90% because of the healing that's happening in the body. So yes, you can have these spontaneous healings and changes in DNA with thought because thoughts become things and then being really aware of what are you putting in your body? Mm -hmm. Because if you're putting chemicals in your body, like like, let's say a Twinkie with all those ingredients that you cannot pronounce, it's interfering with your DNA and it's interfering with your healing and it's interfering with your thoughts. Yeah. It's really asking a lot of your body. Yeah. (laughs) Even though we've just come off the holidays and (laughs) we've all done it. Oh, right. Yeah, but for it is, sure. it's important. The more knowledge that we have, I love um, the road that my husband and I have with going off of glyphosates in food, which is the main chemical in Roundup that, you know, insects don't eat, but we do. And right. so it, there's a lot down that road. There's a lot you can go down with that road. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe with my whole heart that you're, what you're putting in does produce it exactly something. How, so. did, how did you find that road? Like what, what have you done to learn more about eliminating that from your diet? Okay. So this, this is like a, an entirely different podcast and it's, oh. an, <laughs> it's literally, it's, it's amazing stuff. Um, I worked with a doctor around it and she taught me so many things. And basically we went whole foods. We went to all well, some, some things you don't have to buy organic and it doesn't matter, but basically it does. And a lot of times they'll tell you that, you know, that doesn't matter because that's what they want you to believe, but it does matter or it wouldn't be so hard to get like the organic mm. label. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to eating less meat. We still ate meat, but we ate less and beans and stuff. And we basically had the theory that if God made it, we eat it. And if he didn't, don't. So uh, inside of all of that. So. Yeah, it was, uh, it was extremely healing as far as for my husband's anxiety that he had at the time. Mm. And I do think that we'll get into that on the podcast, you know, after we're diving through this other really big story um, that's coming. But it's amazing to see that the more that we learn and the more knowledge that we have and the things that we expose ourselves to, there's no amount of being afraid of it 
or or running from it. It's just saying what's your what are you ready for? What are you mm-hmm. ready for? Because exactly. there's, there's no amount of you needing to settle. There's no amount of you, you know, there's also an element in the the journal entry this week where Jesse is, he's bewildered. He's completely re- bewildered and, and regretting everything that he's ever done that has hurt me and all of this stuff. But he's kind of finally facing the music because something is changing for him that feels final. Otherwise, mm-hmm. he wasn't really facing the music. And an element of that is because he wasn't processing and he wasn't he wasn't being responsible and taking care of himself. Right. And so that's what we're here to talk about. That's what we're here to say. Like when you don't process the stuff mm-hmm. that you have, the capability of processing. Okay. It doesn't mean that you have to do every single thing we've talked about or or everything that you know about, because certainly there's, you know, miles and miles more of stuff than what you and I have even talked about today of Mm -hmm. ways that you can process things that you can do, you know, to get you into a place where you're moving through the things where you don't have to carry these, these really heavy burdens that shape you into a person that you never wanted to be in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're, they're making your cup feel so full that you have such a short fuse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love, I love that you said shape you into who you never wanted to be. I love when you said that. Yeah. And so I think, you know, as people are going through their lives, when you have those moments where you think, oh, this is not like me, or this is not who I want to be, or, oh, where did that come from? I think that's a great opportunity to lean in and get curious yeah, about yeah. what is this really about for me? Uh-huh. And is there an opportunity to heal something? Right. I I think that there's a lot of power inside of that because if you're just going to, to like what we've talked about today, just stand in a place of being committed to you. Mm-hmm. Just stand in a place where you're really committed that if if it's coming up for you, your your brain knows it and it's way smarter than you even think it is. Your brain is saying you're ready for this. Yes. You're ready for this. And I, so yeah. what's next? And I, I would offer one thing, which is you are your highest authority. Mm. You always know, you always know mm. what's next for you, what's best for you. And just following those intuitive hits. And if you don't believe that you're your highest authority, then find someone who can help you believe that. Yes. Because the moment that we start to outsource our own authority is Mm -hmm. the moment true suffering begins. Right. Right. And, and I always say that when we are feeling really lost or when we're feeling like we're struggling, we're really just forgetting who we are. Mm -hmm. And I love how that goes in line with you saying you're your highest authority. And what does that really mean? Brenda's talked a lot today about white space. She's talked about how during the heart hug, you're kind of recentered and you get back to yourself. You get back inside and that's where we go to listen. Mm -hmm. And when we listen, that's where we show up as our highest authority. We can, we can act on the little hit that we get the little, the little tiny bit of push of inspiration. And I think that when we act on the little ones more, they come more and more and more and more and more Mm -hmm. more sensitive to hearing them. And then it comes more with more force, like, no, you can do this one and you can do that one or whatever. And, and of course you're building up your confidence as you're doing that as well Mm -hmm. in your ability to do that thing. hundred percent. 
Ugh. I loved everything you said. And you know, yesterday I sat down um, for a breathwork session for myself and realized, oh, this is the first time today I felt my heartbeat. Mm. And so, you know, just remembering that this is the journey and it's not a destination. This is a constant practice and giving ourselves grace mm-hmm. to remember that some days we're going to nail it. Yeah. And some <laughs> days you're going to sit down at four o'clock in, in the afternoon and realize it's the first time you felt your heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot coming um, in on the podcast with that, with feeling the heartbeat and really being in tune. That's really just seeing what's inside there. Mm-hmm. What's inside there. Brenda, I feel like you always have the best tactics. You always have Mm. the most amazing like little tactics, (laughs) like the heart hug or something like that. Is there any final tactic that you want to leave us with to help us to come into a different space where we can come into our body, help ourselves heal? I love what Candace Pert said. She said, your body is your subconscious mind and you can't heal it by talk alone. Mm-hmm. I love how much we've gone through today inside of that. Is there any el- other thing that you want to offer inside of a tactic? And then any final thoughts that you have about the things that we've talked about? Yeah. Well, first, Misha, thank you for talking with me today. I just love any chance I have to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Um, thank you for yes. having me and thank you for this conversation. And, you know, I think that when we think about tactics, we often think it needs to be complex mm. and complicated. Mm-hmm. And I am a proponent of simple. Yes. And so I think asking ourselves, how do I want to feel? How do I want to feel? And what will it feel like when I get there? Who will I be with? What will I be doing? And then allowing ourselves to dream into that space can be so profound. Yeah. So if you're feeling bad or sad or scared or whatever, how do I want to feel? Oh, what I love about that is that it's insanely simple mm-hmm. and it's the biggest thing. Yeah. It shifts everything. Yeah. <laughs> it, it shifts. It shifts what you do next. It shifts who, how you speak to yourself and how you speak to the others. Because as soon as you have recognition around how you want to feel, you begin to make waves to actually feel that. And then I think scaffolding the ways that we want to feel in our daily lives is so important. So for example, when I say scaffolding, I mean, creating that feeling state in small, tangible ways every day. So for example, I have this robe that I bought after staying in the Calamigos Guest Ranch in Malibu, California, because I felt such freedom and connection and community and love at a retreat there that I went to the company that that um, had the robes and bought one for myself and had it monogrammed. So when I need to feel, or I want to feel that freedom, connection, community, luxury, I wear the robe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so scaffolding it in your day, maybe it's a candle, a fragrance Mm -hmm. that you love, or maybe it's a really nice blanket on your, on your sofa, or maybe it's a pair of socks that just feels so nurturing, or maybe it's a really cool handbag, or maybe it's a cup of tea, or maybe it's your coffee with your favorite creamer. It can be anything, but the more tactile it is, the better. I love that. There is a coat my mom gave me for Christmas and that lining of the hood 
has the softest like feeling, you know, where you said tactile and I sit and feel that. And I just think it's so important that we nurture ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I love your encouragement to be doing that, the encouragement Mm -hmm. to nurture ourselves and our soul and take care of ourselves. You are such a light. I've learned so many things from you. Oh, thank you. I'm grateful you've come to share with our listeners what you have. Thank you for being with us, Brenda. Well, thank you. I am your mirror, Misha. So (laughs) thank you for lighting up the world and for doing the work that you're doing. It's making such a difference. Thank you. Yeah. You're awesome. I hope you loved learning from Brenda. Everything from the trauma, you know, in the the inch that, that we have left in our cup versus four inches and how much space we have to be able to handle the things that come up in life is what constitutes it being defined as trauma in our life. I love walking through all of the healing modalities that she helped us see or possibilities to help us process. She was so great in offering some tactics to us, like the heart hug, asking ourselves how do we want to fill and the scaffolding example of setting up scaffolding in our life. I really loved so much of her wisdom and the time that we're taking to just pause and pay attention to what is coming up for us and knowing that our bodies have so much wisdom in teaching us when there's something to process and allowing that to be. There's a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh that says, when a feeling of sadness, despair, or anger arises, We should stop what we are doing in order to go home to ourselves and take care. We can sit or lie down and begin to practice mindful breathing. The daily practice of breathing can be very helpful. A strong emotion is like a storm, and when a storm is about to arrive, we should prepare so we can cope with it. We should not dwell on the level of our head and our thinking, but bring all of our attention down to the level of the abdomen. We may practice mindful breathing and become aware of the rise and fall of our abdomen. Breathing in, rising, breathing out, falling, rising, falling. We stop all thinking because thinking can make the emotion stronger. I love the awareness that has been brought to us today that as we process, we need to use our bodies. We need to use our bodies to let the things, the emotions and and all of the things that we need to let go of process and move through us, right? I love that reminder because then when we come back into, you know, ourself and our mind, things have just moved or they make more sense or, you know, the analytical mind is a little bit more free because of what we moved inside of our body. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. I hope that you can see that somatic healing And the way that we use our body in processing helps us have more power than we think we do. If you're interested in learning more from Brenda, I'm going to put all of the links to her Instagram, her website, and all the places that you can find her in the show notes. So go ahead and click on that. I know you can find her on Instagram at Brenda Winkle. That's a simple one. And I'll put the rest of her information where you can contact her, her email and so forth in the show notes. And a reminder that this podcast can grow with your help. If you think this information is helpful to you, if you think that learning uh, about processing today 
and getting out of your mind and your head to be able to process is helpful to you, then it's probably helpful for someone in your life. I would love it if you share it with them. And if you make sure that you're subscribed and please rate and review the podcast, I would really appreciate that. That helps me be able to continue to grow the podcast and to be able to have it suggested to more people so they can find it and have information that helps them through their living. A reminder to check in the show notes for the upcoming coaching that's coming up. I'm so excited to be in a space with you where we have a little bit more of an intimate exchange. It is so good and so juicy, and I would love to support you through that. Come and just see what it's like. Just see what it's like in the free three days, and then we'll see if you want to do more, if we want to work together more. I promise you'll get so much out of the three days of coaching. And lastly, I want to just thank you for allowing me to walk through your journey with you. It is such a pleasure of mine. And I want to remind you that you are capable, that when your body allows something to arise for you to process from your past or something is going on that feels heavy in your life, you are capable. Trust yourself, trust your body that it knows what to do and that it's giving you what you need in the right dose, in the right increments, and that it will protect you when you can't handle it. So if it's coming up for you, your body and the wisdom, your inner wisdom is saying, it's time. And you can be held in that space. You can be walked through that space by people that feel safe to you. And, you know, like Brenda said, you are your highest authority. Like we talked about, listen to your inner wisdom and sit in trust. You are so capable. Until next time, my friend. <laughs>